Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. All right, the first episode of What I Wish I Knew in 2021 and this is going to be a really big year for Dental Head Start. We're really excited um, and I guess the most exciting part is that What I Wish I Knew is going to be co-hosted by Dr. Chidim Capel. It's really our honor to have her on here interviewing guests and getting insights for you guys and we're going to be doing op- opposite shows every second week. I can't wait to see what she brings to the platform. Now, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you'll know that our feature interviews come out every fortnight on a Monday and What I Wish I Knew comes out on a Thursday weekly. And the point of What I Wish I Knew is to give you those little bits and pieces that great dentists we interview wish they knew when they graduated, the things they've learned that can accelerate your career. And a major way we're trying to add to that this year is doing a segment with OrthoEd. And this one is actually going to be my journey in learning with OrthoEd, in learning orthodontics through their mini master's program. And also, because I think it's going to have a lot of insights, I'm actually going to go through the process of having ortho with Invisalign myself. I think, I hope this is going to give insights to people who are learning ortho from a first hand and the insights from someone who's actually learning. Find out more in the first segment at the end of this episode. Something a lot of graduates are just starting to get their head around is talking about price, something that we often don't learn a lot about at university. And if you haven't got experience in retail or in in sales or as a perhaps even a dental assistant or receptionist before you become a dentist, then this can be super foreign and very awkward. Dr. Tiv Namalan is someone who has a lot to say on this topic, a really important topic. He talks about his early experiences, his early influences and some of the successes and failures he's had in discussing price with his patients. If you're a student or a recent graduate and you work in private practice or want to, this is going to be for you. Dr. Tiv is now a coach and a mentor for graduates at drtiv.com. He's also a practice owner and he employs graduates. So he's well acquainted with the challenges of talking about price with your patients. And he starts this interview discussing his challenges as a new graduate in private practice. Man, I was terrible. I was scared. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared shitless. Um, there's so much self-doubt when you when you graduate like so much self-doubt that it's it's hard to reconcile that you go from from doing work from free and be told that you're you're terrible to all of a sudden almost the next week being presented to somebody and then said you know here it is you're going to have hundreds of dollars worth of work and there's there's a there's a lot of factors that play into this um you know talking about money is socially not acceptable like all throughout life, we're told, you know, money's icky. Don't ask about it. If you've ever, as a child, asked about money to a guest, your parents go nuts. They're like, that's rude. Don't talk about it. Um, you know, when you're at uni, there's four or five years of, of doing work for free. So you're completely undervalued. You know, the value placed on your work is, is next to zero. And on top of that, most of the times you're criticized for everything you do. And so you're like, well, it's for free and it should be because I'm really crap at, at what I'm doing. Um, you know, you'd never practice talking about money at uni. Like, I don't know what you guys get, but when I went through uni, we had one lecture once about communication and that had nothing to do with money. Mm. Like we never talked about it. Money was never mentioned. One of the reasons I think people should be in private practice as an assistant because it helps you get that exposure. Exactly right. Do, Do you remember a 
perhaps a big case or a specific case <clears throat> when you graduated where you were talking about money? Do you remember, does anything burn into your memory that was a challenge or you were scared or anything like that? Yeah, it was um, one, one really, really comes to mind. It was when I realized that I wasn't good at communication. Um, like I talked about, you know, with staff, but this is when I bought my own practice. And I'd realized that I was still practicing the way that, that my previous boss had taught me. Um, and I was like, this can't be the only way. And so I went around and like anyone that wants to learn about communication, we do almost every course under the sun. Um, and I remember that I did one course and they, and they taught, it was, it wasn't a great course in hindsight, but they said, you know, you need to find the, the optimum treatment for them. You're the doctor. So you tell them what you need to do. So just tell them. And I was like, okay, like this is what they told me I'm going to go. Um, and I think the patient needed like four crowns or five, like it was, it was about $10,000 worth, eight, eight or $9,000 worth. I can't remember what it was exactly, but I was like psyching myself up for it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, all the injection handling techniques, like what's she going to do when everything goes wrong. And I remember like she came in, so two part consult. So did the consult got her back in so I could work myself up for it, went in and I was like, so you need, you know, six crowns and it's $8,000. And she said, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Now it's, what? <laughs> now what? Um, I prepared myself so well and she was just like, okay, let's just, let's just do it. And, and yeah, it's, it's because I didn't really believe in my skill set either. Like, you know, I, I didn't value what I knew, um, and which we don't as dentists. We just think everyone knows what we know um, until you even start talking to medical colleagues and they, they scratch their head going, like, what, what? What's, what, what do you do? Like, what's all the stuff going on? Um, and I also believe that as, as an associate, I had no idea on how much the practice, how the practice ran. I would just thought to myself, you know what, my boss is taking 60% of whatever I earn, he's putting it into his pocket and like, he's just living life. And it's only until after I bought my practice and almost every owner that I've talked to goes to the same, same story. They, they became an owner because they're frustrated with something that their boss did, or they thought they could do it better. They got them and they're like, oh, that all makes sense. Um, and you know, part of it as well for me, while I really prepared for it, is I hated the idea of rejection. Like as humans, we hate rejection because in the past, if we rejected from our, from our community, we would die. Like they'd kick us out and we'd have no one to support us and we'd die. So rejection scares the hell out of me. And like all of us, we never want to be seen as being ripped off or ripping people off or over-servicing. Like that is one of the things we all hate. Um, and so there's always that little fear factor of if I... If I talk about price, it's a patient going to hate me. Are they going to reject me? Um, and are they going to tell everyone that I'm some kind of charlatan that's like t telling people they need all this work? Um, and you need to work through those aspects in order to be able to talk about talk about money. How did you get through that kind of um, personal challenge? How did you learn to communicate about price and what do you do? The first thing to do, well, I felt was for me was to get rid of that anxiety of of talking about over-servicing or ripping people off. 
So I had to set rules for myself as to as to what was ethical in my mind, because you know in dentistry and as a you know to your audience which are recent grads or still at university, you know we I remember going to my my tutor, I mean like what's the answer to this clinical question? And they were like, well it depends. And I was like, no, I don't want what it depends. I want you to tell me the answer. And the the reality is the reason they say it depends is it's such a wide range. You could go from putting a GIC in to doing a full mouth rehab, and as long as you can justify it, they all they all work out. So, and because as dentists we're very opinionated, or lots of dentists are opinionated, <laughs> you know, you can have your opinion of why you want to do it, but you share it with somebody else, and they might poo poo you. They might be like, "Oh my god, how dare you say that?" I mean, if you ever post anything on forums, you'll you'll you'll, you'll, you'll figure that out pretty quick, smart. So I had to set up rules for myself. My rules were, were really simple because there's there's two things that we do. The one thing that we're worried about is overdiagnosing. That's an easy one to handle. That one is if it was done to me, if it was in my mouth, what would I do? If you wouldn't have that full mouth rehab for that, you know, occlusal filling close the hole that you have, <laughs> then you shouldn't be recommending it to your patients. Like that's, that's really simple. But the thing that we don't really talk about or think about all that much is underdiagnosis. Sometimes we're so worried about overdiagnosing that we actually do a patient disservice by underdiagnosing. And if you think about it, the patient, it never enters a patient's mind that you're worried about this at all. Like if you went to a doctor for some kind of, you know, medical condition, just say like a brain thing, would you be wondering if they were underdiagnosing because they were worried you'd reject them? Yeah, not a chance. It doesn't even cross your mind. You'd be pretty upset if they were. You'd be pretty upset if they were, but yet we do this constantly because of that fear of, of rejection from over-servicing. So my rule for, for not under-servicing was imagine it was for free. If it was for free, what would I do? Because a lot of the times, and, and this comes down to, you know, we talked about um, in another podcast about profiling. You don't want to, to judge people on their profile either. You want to judge people on their appearance. So how do you stop judging people? And that is by saying, if it was for free, what would I do? Imagine like I was doing a charity day and I could do whatever I want for free. What would happen? And so that gives you the boundaries. What would I do in myself? And what if it was free? And there's a range in there somewhere that if you pick from, it's actually quite ethical and, and you can pick from that range, whatever you want to do. And that takes a lot of the anxiety of that away. And so moving into the actual price of that discussion, I personally think that um, anxiety that we put on ourselves makes a big impact. Oh, it does. Because the limits that we place on ourselves is the bounds that we will achieve. If you think that you can only talk about $2,000 worth of, of treatment, you will only ever do $2,000 worth of treatment. And that's got nothing to do with what the patient needs. It's got nothing to do with what's in their mouth. It's got nothing to do with anything else except that's just the limit that you placed on yourself. Dental Protection Limited, they're more than just an indemnity insurer. Of course, they'll provide the best support they can when you have a tough time and you need them. But that goes without saying. More importantly, they're trying to help us prevent these things and they're doing this through their online education, their numerous blogs and articles, their live education and now a podcast called Risk Bites that is bite-sized pieces of information to help you prevent medico-legal risks. 
And during this COVID-19 pandemic, they are providing unparalleled support to their members. So if you're a member, you'd know all this, but even if you're not, you can get a lot of this information online. Check DPL out and thank you DPL for supporting dental students and graduates and for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. Did your confidence change after making those rules? I, I guess it probably did change my confidence, but it didn't change my external confidence, it changed my internal confidence, where I was now saying to myself, well, I know I'm not doing something wrong. So whatever I'm saying now is what the patient needs. Because when you first graduate, there's so much doubt in your mind. You're like, am I doing the right thing? What should I do? What's the right answer? In inverted commas. Um, and it's, it takes a little bit of time to realize that there is no right answer. And by placing those rules, and that rule, those rules are just for me. You can have whatever rules that you that you need to that uh, fit into you, eth- fit into your mind ethically. But as long as you have rules that will bound you on either side to stop you from going over or under, then then that will work. I mean, the, what really changed my confidence was was funnily enough, role playing and practicing. We as humans, we hate the idea of of practicing and role playing. I'm not sure why. Yeah, We've been. I completely yeah. agree. <laughs> and. We're told lies. We're told lies by people that you need to practice something for 10,000 hours to get any good at it. It's, or whatever the number is, 600 times, 100 times, but it's a complete lie. You do something five or six times, you will be so much better at it, like exponentially magnitudes better at it than you were when you, when you first started it. And I see this all the time with people doing clinical work. They go to a course and the first time they do it is on a patient. And for me, I've always, I've always practiced. I've always got my, my models. It's funny. I've got my old models from uni still that I've cut to bits. I'll practice whatever it is on it. I'll do it six times. Uh, when I got my Seric machine, I would scan and take impressions for the first six months because I was like, I want to know how this works and I want to make sure it was good before I just went solely to digital scanning. And so that practicing makes a big impact. And if there's one thing I can, you know, that for your audience to take onto this is you don't need to practice a hundred times or even 10 times, just do it four or five times and you'll be so much better at pick a, pick a, a service, like something that scares you a crown or a bridge or an implant. Um, and just talk about it to someone that, you know, and actually get it out of your mouth that it's going to be $7,000 and state it as a fact. You're not trying to convince anyone that they need this or not. Like, that's not your job. Your job is not to sell stuff. Your job is just to state the facts and give them the information so they can make an informed decision. And I think it's really smart to tell them that too. It's like I I often, and I don't know exactly where I got this from, but um, when I'm talking about price and, and all the options, I'll often say, I want you to understand your situation and how your teeth are and the options you have, I don't mind what you choose. It's truly up to you, but I, as long as you understand the outcome and, and just kind of taking pressure off saying, it's okay, whatever you want, but as long as you understand, it take, it disarms, it, it, everyone's comfortable and knows there's no pressure. Oh, yeah. I think that helps. Yeah. It helps both me and the patient, to be honest, because then when we're talking about the more expensive options, they know that I, it doesn't matter if they want it or not, as long as they understand it. And they can feel that you're relaxed, and I think that then they can feel that you yep, couldn't understand agree and know what you're talking about. Um, that relief of pressure, which is what you're talking about, by making that statement, allows you to say things freely and then allows the patient to question you freely because it's no longer a, a sales-driven process. 
it's now a, we're just talking about this and whatever you choose is okay by me. So they can reject you and you're not upset and they're not upset and you can still be friends afterwards. That's, that's, a, that's a pivotal thing. Are there any other tips or things you think about when you're talking about price? Um, the thing to remember is I guess, I guess learning about the, the practice and the expenses is a big thing. Because once you realize how expensive everything is, all of a sudden you realize that what you're doing is probably quite cheap and you should be, you should be charging for it. You know, just, just a simple mathematical thing, like if a practice is making a 10% profit and you discount something by 10%, you know, it's breaking even. There's not much happening on that, that, that particular item. And it's not much, like we give away 10% quite easily as a new grad. Like I remember giving discounting stuff by 50% because I felt bad about charging, you know, so much for it. And now I understand why my boss is getting really upset back in those days because I was giving away, he was paying for my work. Exactly. We're paying the patient to do it if that's the case. And it's hard. It is something that we need to understand that we do work within a business and that business needs to be profitable for us to have a job. Um, And also, I think something that I like to convey to new graduates is that you do know what you're talking about and you are doing, you know, good work. If you've graduated, you know, you are a dentist, you can do this. Um, You should be confident. You should be learning. You should be growing, but you should also be confident in yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. That that skill set is so refined to these few individuals that have graduated. And to think that other people can do what you do is is giving away your true value. Um, you know, the something that we give away for free is our ability to diagnose. As dentists, we tend to value the procedure more than the diagnostic part. But the truth is the diagnosis is is the most valuable component of the whole thing. And the fact that you can diagnose a toothache and know how to treat it, just that simple fact makes you far more skilled than, you know, 99.9% of the population out there. And so getting that, getting that kind of reassurance and for self-esteem and self-worth is, is quite nice. And the only other thing I'll add is, is do a lot of communication courses. You know, the, the more you can learn how to communicate, the more confident you become, the more talking about price is easy. And I would talk. I would start talking about money to people. Um, that's that's the other thing as well. The more you can just start having conversations about money, that gets over that social impact of 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 our youth. I think the better it is just to start talking about it. Matter of fact, there's so much for us to think about when we're talking about um, price and when we're communicating with our patients. And you've given us a lot of food for thought there. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Welcome to the OrthoEd segment, the journey to orthodontic enlightenment. (laughs) Kind of a tongue-in-cheek name. Uh, The point of it really is to show that I'm going on a journey in a partnership with OrthoEd to learn orthodontics and also to have orthodontics. We're talking about this with Dr. Jeff Hall. He's the founder and the key teacher with OrthoEd. We're talking about this concept and we came up with this idea of this journey, but my teeth are pretty crooked and I keep looking at videos I do for Dental Head Start and other other things, CPD Junkie, and I <laughs> really finally have found the motivation to align my own teeth. And so, I thought there would be a learning experience in this. I thought there would be something that we could share that could help people and obviously help myself in understanding orthodontics for my patients 
by going through it firsthand. Now, the point of the ortho ed segment is to learn orthodontics and get those little tips and tricks and, and give useful information in this segment. I hope people to be able to follow along. There'll be over 20 episodes this year at the end of my episodes of What I Wish I Knew. And I hope you can get some useful tips. I hope you can learn something from Dr. Jeff Hall, ortho ed and their team. And I hope I can too. And what better way than to have a case study? Uh, and so we'll hear a little bit about my journey personally as well. So why should you even bother learning alignment? Well, this is obviously just my thoughts and my opinion, but um, our patients are looking for a couple of different things. And one of the things patients are looking for is obviously health and to be pain-free. And for many, that's all they need. Many of my patients have no interest in alignment and I th obviously think that's totally fine. I had no interest myself for many years. But then there are many that are interested and a big number of those people don't even know that it's an option. And they many don't know it's an option with a general dentist and many don't know it's an option to do it in a way that may be simpler than braces. It, it may be braces, it may be aligners, it may be removable appliances, but aligning teeth is not always as complex as a patient may think. And if we can provide this service for our patients, it's it's just so rewarding. We're watching a patient go from being shy and embarrassed about their smile to being proud and confident and wanting to show off their teeth is something we can provide. And, and while it's not life-saving, it's not getting someone out of pain, but it's really satisfying. If you're interested in prosthodontics, you're interested in aesthetics, then it's a crucial part of that. We can't provide good prosthodontic work uh, without considering alignment first. We, we certainly can do it, but often it's in a way that is destructive. And now that things are so much easier to provide good, simple alignment, then it's something that we really have to include in our treatment plans, whether or not a patient chooses it. That's up to them. And so the more I've seen patients over the, my four years of practice, the more I see this to be something I want to learn and to do and I'm already doing a little bit. But that is that trickle that opens the floodgates and now I recognize how much I don't know and how much I need to learn and, and really I want to get a foundation to base this all on. And that's where Dr. Jeff Hall and OrthoEd come in. I'm going to be doing the mini masters with OrthoEd. I got to meet and talk with Dr. Jeff Hall in episode 47 of the podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, it's a great episode. He's a, a real charismatic uh, entrepreneur. He's engaging. He's got a lot to say. A really, really great episode. OrthoEd provides education to dentists from an orthodontic perspective. It's trying to get general dentists to be knowledgeable and capable of providing orthodontic care for their patients. And that's what a lot of us are looking for. And so, why did I then choose OrthoEd to, to go on this journey for me? And of course, this is a personal choice. Well, there's plenty of options out there, but I, I chose OrthoEd because it's one that's going to provide a solid base. Now, I am particularly interested in aligners, um, aligner therapy, and, and not as interested in fixed orthodontics. However, I want a base. I want to be able to treatment plan I want to be able to diagnose and I want to be able to do it with the knowledge of everything. I'm not going to just dive into aligners only because I'll be missing things if I only have that lens. And so working with OrthoEd and learning from OrthoEd, we're going to get a broad scope, a broad range of understanding and of course a solid understanding in the aligner therapy. OrthoEd, they do a mini masters, it's a long form course, multiple dates and at the end you can get a postgraduate diploma for your efforts. 
but they also provide these in smaller bite-sized segments. So you can do, for instance, the Aligners course on its own or you can do some of their online content. Um, you can get little bits and pieces before you do the mini masters. Really depends on what you're looking for and how committed you are to learning orthodontics. And of course, one of the things we're proud to be able to bring to our graduate audience is that if you are less than five years out uh, of dental school, then you can get a discount on this as well. OrthoEd have been generous enough to offer listeners of the Dental Head Start podcast 10% off the ticket sales. So if you are interested in learning orthodontics through OrthoEd, they can give you a discount that is really unparalleled. It's one of the things I love about doing this podcast is trying to get these these deals and help graduates and people uh, in their education because it is so important. So um, I hope people will take that up and if you do, let me know. Either way, I hope you enjoy the journey of learning orthodontics with OrthoEd through the OrthoEd segment. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.